Hey everybody, we're teaming up with the best membership in Denver again. For those who don't know about In We Go yet, listen up. In We Go is for social people looking for concerts, sports events, festivals, comedy shows, wine tastings, brew fests, and more. With In We Go, you can head to tons of Rockies games and get tickets to the best events in Denver. Download the app and experience with just one tap how easy it is to start heading to your favorite events in Denver. And did I mention Rockies games? Use code BSN15 to save 15 bucks off your first month with In We Go. Start heading to games, concerts, and tastings for as low as 10 bucks on your first month. Hurry though, guys. This offer ends on May 31st. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curves from mile high. The best part of the weekend, hugging the perfect stranger as they become a friend, having a good time when the orange and blue W I Welcome in to the BSN Broncos podcast, a podcast about the Broncos and other things. RK and Zach here with you on a Monday. We are here in the Mile High City. Zach, how was your weekend? It was fantastic. I mean, Ryan, we are living in sports paradise right now in the Mile High City. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it was almost a terrible weekend, but it was all salvaged last night by the Nuggets, which we, we thank them for. Um, of course, the Rockies staged a fantastic comeback yesterday behind arguably my favorite player, Rymel Tapia. Um, and the Avs got a chance to even things back up tonight and force a game seven, which would be crazy. As for the Broncos, it's been pretty quiet lately. Uh, I will say I had report I had reported when the Broncos picked him up that 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 Brett Rippon was Rich Scangarello's guy. For some reason, I got pushed back on that. Don't know why. Um, people are like, how do you know that? What does this mean? Does this mean he doesn't like Drew Locke? I'm like, no. It just means that he really liked Brett Rippon as a late-round guy. Well, Brett Rippon this weekend uh, in an interview with The Athletic said, essentially, I came here because I was Skank's guy. <laughs> yep, exactly. And... Uh- Ryan, th- this doesn't mean anything against Joe Flacco. It doesn't mean anything against Drew Locke. This is Nick Mullins all over again. Nick Mullins was Rich Scangarello's guy. Nick Mullins was undrafted. Rich Scangarello was pounding the table. I mean, he was pounding the table so hard for him that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan made fun of Rich Scangarello for liking Nick Mullins so much. But you know what they did? As a, as a good GM and a good head coach, they listened to their quarterback coach and said you know what we'll bring this guy in as an undrafted guy uh probably not going to make the roster but you know what we'll we'll give our quarterback coach a shot this was his guy they gave it to him and how did Nick Mullins work out maybe he's not going to be a 16 game starter for the next 10 years but already what he's done he's proved Rich Scangarello right uh so why not if Rich Scangarello loved Brett Rippon why not bring him in here who would you rather have as a backup Kevin Hogan or or, or as a third str- Kevin Hogan or Brett Rippon Brett Rippon 10 times out of 10 
And I'd also prefer Brett Rippon to Garrett Grayson, another person who I somehow got pushed back saying that he was better than Brett Rippon, which he's not. Um, as for the Brett Rippon thing, I just I, I can already see it. There's going to be a gaggle of fans who start saying that Brett Rippon is better than Drew Locke when Brett Rippon just absolutely slices and dices some poor third string uh, defense, maybe even fourth or fifth teamers, especially in the Hall of Fame game where he'll probably get a lot of time. Just stop. Just already stop. <laughs> Brett Rippon has a chance to be a player in this league, and I, and I believe that. And we always say keep, keep swinging until you hit. And maybe in some crazy universe, Brett Rippon ends up being the hit, and Drew Locke is another miss. But don't start this now. Don't don't get out of hand. Just let it play out. But Ryan, 67% completion last year, 30 touchdowns, only seven interceptions. He's bigger than Kyler Murray. That's about all you can really say for his uh, physical tools. But yeah, I mean, come on. He's he's going to light it up because he lit it up last year in uh, in the Mountain West. And he's going to be playing against similar competition when he's playing in the preseason. And just remember that. When he's tearing it up, just remember he's going up against accountants, future accountants, future guys that will not be in the NFL. But he's a guy, I mean, if Kyle Sloter was tearing it up, Brett Rippon's going to have some success and, and people are going to jump on him and it's going to be fun. But the Broncos gave him a $10,000 signing bonus, which is only third on the team, but they gave him $146,000 in guaranteed money. Uh, his, his overall salary is just half a million dollars. It's the rookie minimum. Uh, but this is a, is a show of good faith saying that, look, Brett, if you don't make the team because we decided to keep Kevin Hogan as the third string to have some veteran presence in the room, or if we only decide to keep two guys, would you stay with us on the practice squad? Now, if a team could pick him up and put him on their 53-man roster, but there's if he clears waivers, then he gets to choose where, where he could go after that. And the Broncos are saying, we're giving you $150,000 now. Stay with us. Yeah, and I love that. Uh, I love the Broncos saying, you know, this is a guy that we like, so we're going to make sure that we have him here. Um, I don't know if they expected him to fall out of the draft. Maybe they did because clearly everyone else did. Um, but yeah, you bring in a guy that you really like. You give uh, Rich Gangarello and um, TC McCartney too can you know kind of have a little project to work on there in Brett Rippon. Uh, and overall, throughout this off season, you have completely transformed your quarterback room from. I'll just go out and say it, embarrassing, embarrassingly bad, to very promising. And that kind of gets me into what I wanted to talk about today, because I realized this week, as the news cycle came to really a screeching halt, especially with no Chris Harris Jr. talk going on right now, I realized that the offseason is pretty much over. Um, there'll be, you know, a guy they signed before training camp or whatever, but in terms of, you know, transforming your roster we have reached the end of that and so I beg the question Zach what would you grade the Broncos starting from 
the day the season ended, Vance Joseph was still the head coach to today. Well, and let's break it up into those categories in order to make it fair and not just throw an arbitrary letter out there. Moving on from Vance Joseph was the right move. I, that's hard to give uh, an A, B, or C grade to. That that was the right move to do. Uh, I mean, well, let's put it this way. If you if you kept Vance Joseph, that would have been a pretty bad decision. So I guess you have to give firing Vance Joseph an A. You you, you can do that. And it was the easy move, right? right I mean, right. What? It's, it was it was PE class, easy A. Nine, <laughs> nine and a half out of ten people would have done that? At least. <laughs> and then you move on to, I mean, is the next step hiring not only Vic Fangio, but the coaching staff they brought in? Yep, exactly. To me? Starts with Fangio and then moves on to the coaching staff. And then quickly moves on to Mike Munchak. And just Vic is the perfect personality at least right now. If you were to if you were to ask me what this team needs, I probably would have built a similar coach to Vic Fangio. Now the Broncos could have gone the Zach Taylors of the world and you know there would have been optimism surrounding that, but there is a low floor going the Zach Taylors of the world route. The floor isn't that low with Vic Fangio. You know what you're getting uh, and with adding Mike Munchek and adding all the other pieces in that coaching staff, it's an A. For for me, the coaching staff's an A. I think the coaching staff is absolutely an A. Um, I like Vic Fangio. I, I, I liked him most of the process. I wanted them to go with the hot shot, you know, young coordinator, quarterback coach style, but this style works as well. And what they did to kind of make me feel much better about it is they did get a little hot shot quarterback coach. Um, they just made him their offensive coordinator. And then they got a, a head coach candidate and they made him their offensive line coach. And then they brought in, you know, Ed Donatel's right-hand man. And uh, they went and got T.C. McCartney, who's an up-and-comer in, in NFL circles. So, you got to give that an A. So, we're going through back-to-back A's to start the season. And then free agency rolls around. And I don't want to sound like a broken record here, Ryan, but I'm going A. I'll, I'll throw a dash on there. I'll go A-minus for free agency. I mean... You brought in players. You overpaid for Juwan James, but he's an upgrade, and that's probably where the A-minus comes in. Uh, also, you lost Matt Paradis uh, for not a lot of money. You wish you could have kept him for that price tag. Uh, that that was the only downside. Outside of that, you know, let's throw Joe Flacco in here as well. You got a veteran presence, instantly upgraded uh, your quarterback position, the most important position in sports for, I mean, such a low price at the $18.5 million. You were able to move on from Case Keenum at an unbelievably low price, uh, and you only gave up a fourth-round pick for Joe Flacco. And then on the defense, you gave them some dudes. You gave them some studs with Kareem Jackson, Bryce Callahan. So uh, I really – and then you also, you know, you signed the Zach Curry's, you signed the Jeff Hirons, you, you plugged the holes on the roster that needed to be plugged. I'm um... – I guess a little more hesitant on this one. And I guess w- by saying that the, the offseason is over, I, I kind of overlooked the Chris Harris Jr. thing. That is the final piece here to me. And so, I mean, we talked about it on Saturday, which hopefully you guys enjoyed the, uh, the bonus podcast. But I guess it just comes down to, is Chris Harris Jr. on the field week one? And that was actually just, that was going to be my last thing that I looked at because uh, I don't know where to grade that, how to grade that. I just say, like, it, I didn't realize it at the time, but if the choice was Bryce Callahan 
or sign up Chris Harris Jr., I would have chosen to sign up Chris Harris Jr. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, you overpaid Jawan James, something you just got to do in free agency. But I'm going to go B+. Um, you know, it's funny. You give an A. I gave an A to the Joe Flacco trade when it happened. Uh, I also said that it needed to be the um, one step in a process. Both of those things happened. But now that I, there's a chance I could come back and say, well, you ended up giving a fourth-round pick from a, for a guy who only started <laughs> six games for you, you know? Um, so that is – I view it in a different light now. I'm not going to change my grade until we find out what happens with Drew Locke and Joe Flacco. But it is funny just kind of looking back and saying, oh, well, now that could be changed because you might have given up a lot for nothing. Well, let me throw the counter out there. If you didn't get Joe Flacco – then you're probably using number 10 on Drew Locke or you're trading up to number five. Absolutely. And again, that's another, that's another uh, reason why you can't view everything in a vacuum. You have to see the big picture and, and then make your decision. So again, a good move overall. Um, I just I got to see what happens with Chris. And I guess that makes this an incomplete for now. But I would give it a B plus as for the players that they got, and the money that they shelled out for them. And then the draft. And Ryan, I think it's pretty clear where we stand on the draft. We talked about we we broke it down completely last week. A, I mean, from getting three first-round guys to a, a real, real plan at your quarterback position, which you haven't had since Peyton Manning was here, uh, and two instant starters. It's an A right there. And then everything else, that's just the first half of the draft. The other three picks, anything else is just a cherry on top in my mind. Yeah, if the first three hit, that would be a good draft for anyone, anytime. Um, if just Drew Locke hits, that would be a good draft for anyone, anytime. <laughs> uh, if Justin Hollins hits, great. You know, if Juwan Winfrey turns out to be a player, awesome. That's That's fantastic. If Draymond Jones can help you right away, that's really good. How does this draft pan out if Noah Fant and Dalton Reisner pan out? Just those two. Turns out to be just another Elway draft, um, maybe a little above average for him. Yeah, and that's Drew Locke is the make or break. I mean, and not not necessarily the break. He's just the make. Well, and it really all just depends on him. It doesn't matter about anyone else. Because they got him at 42 – it makes it not a break. That's why it's not a break. But it yeah. will feel that way. Right. It will feel like, because the further away we go away from this draft, the more and more it'll just feel like Drew Locke is the first round pick. Rookie minicamp is this weekend. Who are you most excited to see? 100% Drew Locke. <laughs> and when veteran minicamp comes around, I'm going to be most excited to see Drew Locke. And when training camp comes around, I'm going to be most excited to see Drew Locke. Mm -hmm. When the preseason comes around, I'm going to be most excited to see Drew Locke. And when the regular season comes around... I'm going to be most excited to see Drew Locke. <laughs> and he was the third player picked by the Broncos in this draft. Yeah, so that, I mean, everything comes down to that, but technically it should, should not be the break pick, just the make pick. But as we move further away, the you know the swarms of the media will be around Drew Locke. He's going to be treated like a first-round pick. And in, El in people judging Elway, he's going to be the make or break, even though... I completely agree with you. He shouldn't be, but it's a quarterback. Does John hit on this guy? And he never has to talk about quarterback again. No one is ever going to judge him on his quarterback selecting abilities again. Or if he misses, then even though he wasn't a first-round pick, everyone's just going to say the best-drafted quarterback by John Elway is 
potentially Trevor Simeon. Which wasn't even, you know, that was Gary Kubiak's Brett Rippon. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, not only is it just this draft, a lot of John Elway's legacy rides on that pick. Mm-hmm. At least as a GM, of course, nothing can tarnish his playing legacy. But that's where we sit. Because that will, you know, missing on Drew Locke, like it or not, would set this team back. Because you're going to, he's not, again, they were lucky in a, in a weird way that Paxton Lynch was as bad as he was. Because there's a very good chance he could have started for two years if he was just, like, let's say on a scale of 1 to 100, Paxton Lynch was like a 17. If he was like a 48, he could have started for two years, gone 7 and 9. Yep. And, you know, set you back even further. Exactly. Because you're still rolling with him. Right. If, you know, Drew Locke is not going to be a 17. Now, maybe he's a 50. And that would set this team back a while because he's going to get his chance if he's a 50. Now, if he's a, you know, 75 to 100, well, that is a, the, the range, I would say, where you could win a Super Bowl. And then, the, and then you hit. Maybe, you know, uh, 85 plus is a franchise quarterback. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example of who would be in the 75 range, but you know, a guy like a Matt Stafford, it's probably like a, probably like a 79. You yep. know, yep. Like, really good player, never had playoff success, couldn't get, can't get, can't get you all the way there. But you're happy you have him, right? You're not moving on from him. You feel like, yeah, you you don't want to be a grass is greener team and lose Matt Stafford just because just because he hasn't gotten it done at the highest level. Here's the thing about being a second-round pick, too, Ryan, is it does make it easier for the Broncos to go in a different direction after just a year or a year and a half. That's why the Broncos, this plan that they have is so good. And, Ryan, we have not been complimentary on the Broncos in their plan or lack of plan or just flat-out zero plan at quarterback since Peyton was here. it's It's been atrocious, and this plan isn't just Joe Flacco for this year or part of this year or next year as well, and then Drew Locke. It's also, we can move on from these guys really whenever we want with not much in our way of doing that and, and not much in our way of stopping us from doing that. And Trevor Lawrence, may, maybe if Drew Locke is 50 and then after this year and next year, you're sitting at six and ten again. Clearly, no answer is on your team of quarterback. Then you just you're sitting at ten again. Then you just trade up to the number one pick or number two pick and get a top quarterback. Then so it really is a great plan. Yeah, and it's funny because on his way out the door, a source told me that Vance Joseph was was telling people that he doesn't believe John Elway has a plan. Hmm. It looks like John Elway has to play it now. Maybe he formulated it between when Vance left and, and today. But this offseason, and as we come down, both of us end up with an A average in our offseason grade. This offseason looks like a plan. It looks like you you it looks like he pulled off what I essentially said most of the offseason you can't pull off, which is win now and later. Exactly. They only made one move in the entire offseason that was a win later move. And it has the po- it has the possibility to be the one of the best win later moves you can ever make. And how much did it hurt them this year? In my mind, it didn't hurt them at all. Because I mean, maybe the slightest bit because that that player at 52 that you could have got probably should have come in and helped you in some way whether it was a starter, whether it was a role player, but to me, 
man, if, if, if you're not giving away your first-round pick in order to do that, and I would have been okay with giving away your first-round pick in order to get the future at quarterback. And the fact that you didn't, you gave up your third player, it, it's great. Everything John has done this offseason has seemed sensible, calculated, um, not reactionary, not over dramatic. Nothing. Everything has made tons of sense. Flacco made a ton of sense. Fangio made a ton of sense. All the coaching staff made a ton of sense. The draft made a ton of sense. It feels like, I don't know, it feels like all of a sudden, you know, John, the GM, has settled in and is, you know, playing chess now instead of checkers. How did he do last year? Everyone remembers the draft. Everyone's given him tons of credit for the draft, including us. We did take a step back and, and looked at the draft and what it, what it could turn out to be the 2018 draft, and it's going to be good. Maybe it's not going to be as great as everyone's giving him credit for. It, it, it very well could be great. What was free agency like last year? I mean, Case Keenum. Uh, no one else is, is jumping out saying, I was a great signing. Yeah. It, it's crickets. And obviously, free agency before that was terrible. Free agency before that was awful. So, really, last year, John just had a good draft. You had, like, the Jared Valdir trade and the Sue Cravens trade. Valdir, you probably give uh, a C, yeah. C+. Plus. Yeah, you, you don't knock it, but you, it's not a great it trade. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it helps solidify a problem for you, but not. it didn't make it good. Sue Cravens, the Broncos... Got Joe Flacco this year for a fourth-round pick. They got Sua Cravens for a fourth-round pick last year. Which one's better? We assume it will be Joe Flacco. Um, Just on the surface of the deal, it was Joe Flacco. Back then, they were getting a second-round pick who had only played one year and was impressive. Um, As it stands now, it feels like the Redskins knew what they were doing, which is a a rare sentence. (laughs) The Redskins knew what they were doing. Um, And so... You look at all the moves from last year. There weren't big free agency moves other than Case Keenum. And really quick, let's just start with coaching. John had to sleep on keeping Vance Joseph. If you have to do that, not not just if you have to do that, but if it comes out that you have to do that, and then all the turmoil with him trying to bring back Mike Shanahan. So I'm not just blaming this on John, but the organization in general, you, you can't view that, that. That that has to be a D or an F, right? You I, didn't want him there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you think you need to, if you if you need to sleep on whether or not to break up with your girlfriend or not, um, you probably know the answer. Also, if you're the other side, like, and they, you find out they needed to sleep on it to find out whether or not they wanted to stay with you, you should probably be out of there as well. Unless you're going to be walking away for millions of dollars, and you probably hang around for another year. Mm. Very true. Very very true. Yeah. So uh, that was an F. Keeping Vance Joseph was an F. Now, at the time, I would have said it was the right move because ah, firing a coach after one year is is just, I, I don't know. It's such a you problem. Like, firing the coach after one year is 100% your fault. It means you did everything wrong hiring him. And so the, the year before that, we'd have to give hiring Vance Joseph an F. And then retaining jo- Vance Joseph becomes an F. And at the time, it felt like, something you had to do to see it through and you didn't have him. You didn't give him a quarterback and you could still argue. He never had a quarterback in Denver. Too many other problems came up last year. You know, we found out that it wasn't just the quarterback that was costing Vance Joseph games. It was Vance Joseph himself. 
Um, so that's an F. Case Keenum is an F. Uh, the draft, we will still say that was an A. What else? Uh, different coaching changes they made. It's it. He did. He did. They they did one thing last year. They got an A in one department. Curtis Modkins really ended up being a pretty good hire. Um, Azani could be, but yeah. In the end, it was just it was just the draft that they got right. With hindsight being that we probably would have would have given the you know the Case Keenum deal when it happened a, a B just because they paid him so much money. Um, well, in the end, it actually wasn't that much money, but they did, you know, pay a guy who you were guessing on a lot of money. And I realized at the time we thought it was better than it was going to end up being. We, and there were times during training camp where we thought it was going to be even better than (laughs) we expected it to be. Yep. But as it stands now, it looks like everything John Elway did this off season was really smart. What we can also say is that probably something won't work out. Um, it's, it's not going to be A's across the board when we do this, um, segment a year from now, we'll probably look back and say, oh, well, the Juwan James thing didn't work out or, you know, I'll touch wood on that, but whatever it is, it's not all going to end up being A's long-term, but as it looks right now, John, Elway made very calculated, smart decisions and everything adds up. Everything adds up. There's a plan. And Ryan, when you look at this, the floor in, in pretty much everything they did, is pretty high. Now, it could be 6 and 10 again. I mean, that that could be the floor, but if the floor was your ceiling last year, that's that's pretty good. And that's where I feel this team is. It can I see them going 10 and 6? Absolutely. 8 and 8? Absolutely. 6 and 10? Yeah, it can probably happen. Can I see them going 4 and 12 or 3 and 13? No. I I absolutely can't see that happening this year. Uh you 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 really hedged your bet with Joe Flacco and Drew Locke. If one of those guys pans out to just be above average for the next few years, then you hit because that only costs you a second and a fourth round pick and a combination of what twenty two and a half million dollars, so that you'd be you'd be right on track for what what you'd be paying for. So that would be good. Vic Fangio, I really don't see him just falling apart. He's as veteran as veteran can be. I know it's his first time as a head coach, but he's gathered so much information in the past from other head coaches. You add Mike Munchak to the mix, we know he's not going to be a bust. That's probably the most sure thing about this offseason is Mike Munchak is going to be an upgrade to the Broncos. Juwan James, yeah, that, that, that could look like a bad deal. Uh, but it's, it's, he's going to be an upgrade at the position. So in the end, how much does that really hurt? We'll we'll see. Right now, he's not even the highest-paid right tackle anymore. Not even close. Juwan James took zero snaps as the league's highest-paid right tackle. Yeah, he technically was never the the league's highest-paid right tackle. Right. It was just never made official. It was never, yeah. he Like we thought he was, but he never was. And that was because over the weekend at, was it their rookie minicamp? Yep. Um, John Gruden made the announcement that that Trent Brown. Trent Brown will be the Raiders' right tackle after paying him $16.5 million per season. Which is a full $3.75 million more per season than Juwan James is making. Whew. He better be. He better not just be the best right tackle in the league. He better be amazing. I mean, it makes sense. Like, the right tackle is the one having to face Von Miller. 
Here's the thing, though, is when he was in San Francisco, I believe they were playing him at right tackle because they had Joe Staley. He wasn't very good. We can only hope. <laughs> we can only hope. Uh, let's take a break here, Zach, and when we come back, we have plenty of questions to get to. The Greg Mastriona Golf Courses at Highland Hills offer something for everyone. With a championship 18-hole golf course, the regulation 9-hole blue course, and two par threes, golfers of all skill levels will find exactly what they're looking for. There's a lot of opportunities for families to enjoy the game of golf together here. as We do have multiple courses, all different skill levels, so it's a great place to teach and develop really a good way for families to you know grow their skills and enjoy the game together that was alan brown he's the director of golf over at highland hills if you're busy at work all day don't worry at highland hills it's never too late to start a round of golf well highland hills has a fantastic pay for what you play program it is designed for the player to play after four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening and you check in you play as many holes as you can until dark and then you come to the pro shop and we give you a rain check for any holes you don't finish we also do a really fun event glow golf on our par three golf course one time a month 25 dollars no cart but we give you glow balls it's a fantastic way to have some fun with friends and get out and enjoy the nighttime and the summertime here in Colorado. To learn more and book a tee time, head over to GolfHighlandHills.com today or call them at 303-428-6526. Second segment here on the BSN Broncos podcast, and there's no time to waste. Let's hop right into these questions. The first one comes in from Willie Thomas. He says, I think we've been too quick to want to move Reisner to offensive guard. He's PFF's number one rated offensive tackle. I usually trust PFF. What are they seeing that we aren't? Well, and the reason is it's not just Ryan and I. It's John Elway saying the Broncos are going to move him to guard. Yeah, and what they're seeing is dollar signs, the dollars that they gave to Juwan James. And John Elway also says, I drafted Garrett Bowles in the first round two years ago. Did he have a good rookie season? No. Did he have a a, a good second-year season last year? No. Did he improve from year one to year two? Yes, he did improve, and John's just not going to jump off that boat right away. I mean, especially first-round pick, a guy that improved, Mike Munchak, gets to work with him. What's a better situation having Garrett for this year, having Garrett Bowles at left tackle and uh, Dalton at right guard, or flipping that? Um, I don't know. I think for the Broncos, they their answer would be what they're going to do. But for me, I would want to see it the other way before I answer that question. Do you want to see it that way? In OTAs, you, do you want to see them do that? You know, in the end, it's better to not have a left tackle be a rookie. And here's, here's the thing. If you do that, if you make that move, then this is Garrett Bowles' very last opportunity. It's already Garrett Bowles' last opportunity, in my opinion. If it doesn't work out with Mike Munchak as his head coach, he's done. Or, sorry, as his offensive line coach. I think think they'd try him inside after that. And I'm not saying that's right. I think that's what they would do. But I'm okay with them giving a year for Garrett Bowles. Or, you know, if after OTAs or after training camp, midway through training camp, Mike's like, oh, my gosh, this guy isn't good and he's not going to progress. Then I want to see a a switch made. But – I understand them going this way, so that's why they're doing that. They're not going to move Juwan James inside after making him the second-highest-paid right tackle in the game, and they're not going to give up on Garrett Bowles after he did show improvement. Here's a good thing about Dalton Reisner is he's played so much in so many different places. 
that if you start him at right guard and you don't and you end up having to move him out to tackle, it's not going to like derail him. Who's your backup swing tackle right now? I have no clue. Is it Dalton? I mean, your options are Dalton, Elijah Wilkinson. Um, I mean, I I could absolutely see if someone gets hurt at, at tackle. The next play, Dalton flips out to tackle. They plug in Elijah Wilkinson, whoever else they have at guard. Yeah. Um, I'll touch wood for that. It It's one of those things where would you rather keep a guy in the same spot and bring in a backup at a different position? Maybe you, you're okay with trying Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle and not having to move Dalton out there. I'd probably prefer it the other way around. Bounce Dalton out. What happens if he dominates out there? be a great great thing to discover would it though because then what are you doing with juan james if you're bumping him out to right tackle so juan james sprains his ankle he's out two weeks i touched wood (laughs) he dalton reisner goes over there and dominates he's like pff's highest rated offensive lineman of the week um he allows zero sacks as he did for two full seasons at kansas state the last two seasons he doesn't. Even, he didn't even have a beard the last time he gave up a sack, um, <laughs> and the real run game just kills it going right. What the heck do you do? How how was your guard play there? Oh, uh, your guard play was fine. Elijah came in and and did like he did at the end of last season. He did you know a, a good a solid effort. I don't like it, but they're kicking Dalton back in at guard and they're playing James back at right tackle when he's healthy. Yeah, and then what? You see if you could trade Juwan James. You at the end of the season? Yeah, maybe during the season. You got to find out what's that guard, other guard position. How, how well, maybe you could trade him for a guard? Maybe <laughs> another team has the same situation going on where they drafted a young guard. Also, we're, we're not we we always forget about Sam Jones. He could be the guy that comes in at guard and plays really well. Yeah. What if it's that? Then you got two draft picks out there. How good is how good is Garrett Bowles playing? Good enough. I was gonna say you could try Juwan at left tackle. You could. That would be that. I guess that would be the most likely scenario. There's no chance Juwan James, when healthy, isn't playing. Is basically what I come back to. Exactly. They're kicking him back. They're getting him back on the field. It would be crazy. Just second highest paid offensive player on the field. And if Drew Locke is playing at some point this season, Juwan James would be your highest paid offensive player. Wow. Good point. All right, from King Medicine. Check one, two. Is this thing on, he says? Hey, y'all. First time commenting and new subscriber. Welcome to the family, my guy. So I'll start by saying I love the show. Draft coverage was great, and I love who we got. Fant, Reisner, and Locke all have tremendous upside, and the value where we drafted them is undeniable. I do think we all need to take a breath on Locke, though. He has great personality and tenacity, but he has some worrisome stats. Y'all are making him sound like the second coming of Elway himself. <laughs> Let's pretend for a moment Darth Locke doesn't quite work out. A scary concept, I know. Does that spell the end for Elway as GM? Thanks for the incredible content. No, and I think we touched on it in the first segment a little bit. The risk-reward here on Drew Locke is not as crazy as it seems. Now, the hype is as crazy as it seems because he's the future. And uh, King Medicine, love that you're joining us. Uh, and thanks for subscribing and rolling with us now. But Drew Locke has all the physical tools you could want from a quarterback. He does have some scary things, and that's why he fell. But the upside is there. But the downside to him is a second-round pick. Also, 
as we've said many, 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 many times, nothing spells the end for John Elway other than John Elway saying this is the end. So you, that's a good question for John Elway. If Drew Locke doesn't pan out, are you retiring? Because <laughs> that's, that's where it is. He, John Elway will never be fired. I hope you guys just get that through your head. John Elway is not – he's also not going to quit on a bad note. I mean, he's going to keep swinging and missing. You think John Elway is going to step away? He was asked that after, I believe, at, at the Vance Joseph's uh, firing press conference, at the end-of-season press conference. He was asked, why are you still doing this? What do you have to prove? You have multiple Super Bowls as a player. You have one as a GM. Why are you doing this? And he said, I hate losing, and I can't leave this team like this. So he's going to leave either when everything's great or when everything is so bad and there's a new owner in town. I'll paint for you the only picture in which John Elway is fired. A new owner with some massive (laughs) you-know-whats walks in and says, we're doing this thing my way now. Yep. And John Elway is not going to be a part of it because I'm in charge. Right. And that guy, he acts like he's in charge too much. It's me. Mm, Like you said, that would be a very gutsy move. Yeah. Talk about endearing (laughs) yourself to the community as you walk in. Um, But... I mean, people with billions of dollars act like that, so uh-huh. you never know. Also, um, there's crazy, I don't know what to call it, like black market talk, I don't, like behind the scenes, <laughs> underground stuff going on right now. Tell me. Every person with lots of money and a football background yeah. that lives around here yep. is talking to people about putting together a plan to buy the Broncos. And there's a lot of plans being put together right now. Um, just, I guess just from being around this town for long enough, you start to learn about people and you start to hear about, you know, you know, you, you, most people know who Solich is and you know who all the rich guys are in, in Denver. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt that makes it out. <laughs> and that's what's happening right now. Um, you'd be kidding yourself if you think that John Elway – isn't thinking about potentially one day owning the Broncos. Uh, Joe Ellis thinking about potentially becoming an owner of the Broncos, putting together a group. Peyton Manning thinking about putting together a group. You name it. High-level people in Colorado, very rich people in Colorado. Everyone is thinking about how they can one day become the owner. And, of course, then there's the Bullens, which, to me, I still think the best-case best scenario is to make Brittany Bullen the owner. I hope it happens sooner than later. But a lot of rich and influential people are thinking they're going to have a chance. And uh, an important thing to remember about this is John Elway can't go from being the general manager to the owner of the team just directly after one another. You have to st- you can't be a part of the team when you go in to buy a team. Which is weird though because there's no exact time stamp on it. Now, I don't think you could just say, I'm quitting. Oh, and by the way, I'm putting together an ownership <laughs> group. I don't, I don't think it's quite that, but there's no like exact rules, like in a year or something. Right. But it's always something to keep an eye on, like I said. And by the way, I said a name in there that has a direct influence on who becomes the next uh, owner of the Denver Broncos. Hmm. So just something to keep in mind. <laughs> I hope it just becomes the Bolin because I ju- I ju- it should just become Brittany Bolin and, and it'll be really a lot less messy, I think, than anything else happening. 
if the Broncos somehow are up for sale, it's going to be Game of Thrones right here in Denver, Colorado. I mean... Starbucks cups left yeah. left and right. Bloodbath. Everyone will be going after everyone. Um, it will be crazy. I don't want to see that. Yeah, that would be... Man, it would be entertaining. And Ryan, a, a commercial on the screen, it just flashed in big letters. It just got real. That's what would happen. It's kind of what just happened on this podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that we went to a crazy place from where that question started. But, yeah, in the end, King Medicine, we've said it a lot. It's just John always not getting fired. No. There's no one with the power to do it. He's not going anywhere. Tom Mercury comes in and says, when the time comes, who makes the decision to play Locke over Flacco? Does Elway make that call or does Fangio? More broadly, around the NFL, who makes that decision, the GM or the head coach? I'd love to take Locke. I'd love to see Locke take number six and say it's because he'll be twice as good as he was in college. I don't think he's going the Cutler route. I, that would be so Jay Cutler. It would, but I just, yeah, I... I really hope he doesn't go that route. Yeah, I don't think he will. And at, I think we touched on this question a week or two ago. John Elway. <laughs> it, it, it is John Elway's call. I think, again, I think I said this two weeks ago. If Vic Fangio is just out and out adamant, no, 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 no. I think John Elway may say, okay, you have you have a little more time. He'll get Flacco's a leash. has got to win. And if he doesn't, it's over. Um, I don't think it'll be like that. I think John and Vic are pretty pretty intertwined. I think when they'll know, they'll know. Vic's obviously the head coach. He's here to be the best defensive coordinator in the league and have you know some oversight on what's going on. When it comes to the offensive side of the ball, Rich Gangrello does not have the power that Vic Fangio has on the defensive side. John Elway is going to have a huge, huge role, probably a bigger one than he's ever had on the offensive side. Yeah, I think the name we left out here is Rich Gangarello. He probably has a big say in this because he knows quarterback development. And maybe he's just like pounding on the table saying like, no, no, stop. Drew is not ready. Or he's looking at Vic and saying, Vic, Drew's ready to go. If John wants him in, no matter who it is, regardless, no matter who's giving pushback, Drew Locke will be in. He wants it bad enough, for sure. Yep. Mercury goes on and says, uh, regarding Flacco mentoring Locke, I remember how bad it looked in Big ben, for Big Ben in Pittsburgh when he outright said he will not take the time to mentor Rudolph. Is that bad PR going to come around on Flacco, too, or is this a different situation altogether? I don't think he'll come out and say he's not going to mentor Drew Locke. He's going to be fiery, just like he was when, when asked about drafting a guy. He's going to say, this is a competition, and I'm not losing my job to this kid. He's not going to you, – you, you, no one's going to like what he says. Promise you. Because he's not going to say the – like, what would the, what would the company line be? Like, I'll do whatever it takes to help this team win football games. Yeah. And, like, that's kind of like a vague enough answer where he doesn't have to. What he's going to say is, I'm the starting – quarterback of this football team and my job is to prepare the football team to win as best as we can now part of that job is helping the backup get ready for the game plan just in case something happens but I'm not going to go out of my way to give special assistance to Drew mm-hmm. it's not my job mm-hmm. maybe I was a little too harsh I think it'll be something in that vein though 
I think so. And he had this last year. He's going to say something like, the, the starter always has to help the backup prepare. And that's what I'll do for Drew. Right. And just remember, he's not going to be welcome and open arms to this. He just he lost his job last year because this exact same thing happened. He was fired by the Ravens. I just, I feel like if he says something like that, it's going to fire Drew up even more. <laughs> I feel like there is, could be like a little underlying rivalry that builds here. Oh, of course there will be. Of course, very competitive guys. Very competitive guys. And I don't know. I I just think Drew Locke wins that fight. <laughs> we'll find out. And that's why all eyes are going to be on number three, number six, number one, whatever number he's wearing. At every step, that's who everyone's going to be watching. The th- uh, I talked to some, some people who report out there in Baltimore, two, two people to be exact. Both of them said, Joe Flacco is going to have the greatest training camp you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Case Keenum was pretty good. But they're like, Joe Flacco never misses in training camp. So maybe that's uh, a lesson. It's a good thing that we learned that lesson last year. Yep. Apparently, vet QBs, because, I mean, I had never seen that. All I had seen was, tr- well, I saw Mark Sanchez. I guess he's an exception. <laughs> All I had seen was Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch, you know, the blind leading the blind. <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> trying to figure it out. Maybe just vet QBs are just on a different level in, in training camp. Yeah, and Drew Drew Locke is going to he, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to be the exciting one. It, let's just hope it's a little more exciting and consistent than Paxton Lynch because Paxton did have some exciting throws occasionally. They were just very much mixed in with more bad throws. Doesn't it just feel like, though, the Broncos are due for that situation where like the, the rookie comes in and just lights the world on fire? Yeah. In their history, that's never happened. Yeah, they're due. I feel like they are. <laughs> Next one coming in from Trevory13. He says, Zach and Ryan, Dobry Den. I had no idea you studied abroad in Prague, Zach. Dobry Den, of course, hello in Prague. That's about the only word I can say. It was a miserable, I guess I should say it is a miserable language. It is so hard. Why is hello two words? Because it's a miserable <laughs> language. <laughs> Maybe that's good morning. I guess like ni hao. That's Chinese, right? That's only one word, though. Oh, it is. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I always picture it as two in my head. Yeah, it makes sense. It's kind of split up like that. Yeah. All right, well. <laughs> he says, I've been living in Prague for the past one and a half years, working as an English teacher, and I'm moving back to the U.S. this summer. It's truly one of the coolest places in the world and is still enough of a hidden gem that most people don't know about it. A beer lover's paradise. The people who know... No. Yeah, you're 100% right, Trevor. And uh, the language is a nightmare, so I commend you for teaching people English using that language. But, I mean, Prague is one of the coolest places. So that's awesome you're living there. I've, I've only experienced it once for about a week. How was it not knowing any bit of the language or not understanding the language at all? And so you're, you're kind of right in the middle of Eastern Europe and Western Europe. So you could go in a shop and you have no idea if, if anyone in there is going to speak English. Maybe everyone's fluent, and maybe no one has a word, uh, an idea of what you're saying. It was, uh, it was interesting. I mean, especially because even if I had a little translation book, you know I can't pronounce anything, so I'm, I'm hosed. Yeah, I didn't have the translation book or anything when I was in Israel. And um, just like at restaurants, you're trying to like order something, and you, like it's... <laughs> Like, being keto there would be impossible. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, yesterday I'm at a Mexican restaurant celebrating Cinco de Mayo. 
and I order the fajitas, and I'm like, I don't want any rice, any beans, or any tortillas. <laughs> That's hardly even the the, tor- the fajitas anymore. So what is it? Is it meat and veggies? It's just a skillet of meat and veggies, yeah. Wow. That's not it's bad. delicious, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Had some uh, spicy sauce on there, too. Mm. But anyway, I was like trying to order something without something while I was there. <laughs> there. So they're looking at me like, not only like they don't understand, but like I'm a, I'm an a hole, <laughs> right? For trying to do this, they're like just point at the damn thing you want yep. and just shut up. Yep, that's what you do. You just do the point in order. <laughs> yep, exactly. Um, so yeah, that's that's a crazy experience. I would, I think it's it would be cool. I would want to do it in Mexico because I know Spanish mm, decently. Yeah, yep. I would love to just be like thrown into Mexico for a month and just have to figure it out with like you know without the benefit of, of someone there who speaks it or whatever, just cause then you were forced to learn the language. Yeah. Just throw me in London or Sydney. I think I'll be able to make it. Oh yeah. 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 I think so. I think I could crack that language barrier. All right. He goes on. He says to the commenter yesterday about asking or about following the Broncos in Ireland. Good luck. One upside is you'll find some cool little communities of experts and local fans to watch games with. I've networked and made friends for life in small bars at 3 in the morning. Another cool thing is it's almost like getting an extra day in the fall. You'll be amazed by the amount of time you have to get things done every Sunday. I would use that an eighth day to run all my errands, clean my apartment, get a lot of reading in, etc. It's magic. Now to the harsh reality. Mondays are brutal. I'm thankful to have the flexibility to create my own schedule and avoid working Monday mornings and hope you're able to do the same or your reality will be distorted and you'll be playing catch-up all week. Living abroad really is one of the coolest experience, experiences a person can have and and more people should consider it if they have the opportunity. Looking forward to coming home and watching football at a reasonable hour, but will always treasure my experiences. Trevor, got a world traveler here, and I think he kind of speaks for a lot of our community here. I mean, Ryan, you and I are watching late games at 6 p.m. in Denver. Some people are, like Trevor said, watch them at 3 a.m. I mean, every game in the playoffs for the Nuggets and Avs has been at, at 8 uh, o'clock. That's true. Except for last night, which was 5, <laughs> and that was fantastic. I went to sleep at like 11. Yep. Awesome. Um, 11 before midnight. Yeah, because I you know, started celebrating Cinco de Mayo at noon. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great day. It was a great day. I got to break out, break out my uh, Go Buffs sombrero. Oh, that's a big one, isn't it? Yep. It was a um, very questionable purchase on the beach in Mexico. <laughs> I don't know. You get it once a year and it's I thought it's I'd gold. never wear it again, but I got sunburned when we were doing our podcast uh, at the golf course. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to protect my face. <laughs> and it's Cinco de Mayo. What a, there's never been a better time to wear this hat. So do you break it out again today? Or is it a once once a year purchase or use? I don't know. I'm gonna break it out the next time I need to protect my face from the sun <laughs> because it worked like a charm. Maybe this weekend. Could be. <laughs> um, I wish I could go live abroad. I just have this podcast that I have to do every day. <laughs> we could both go live abroad. There we go. When we do the the world tour. Exactly. Still waiting on the GoFundMe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, for Mark S. Prepare prepare, prepare yourselves. This is a novel. Buckle in. He says, Aloha, fellows from the 808 state. Since the draft ended, I've been looking forward to posting a comment again, so bear with me as I get a few things out. First, this is the most ex- fun and exciting draft in a long time. Riding with BSN as a second-year subscriber, the road to the draft was once again an awesome experience for me. Not only was I more informed Broncos fans going into the draft, thanks to RK and Z Money and Andre, but I was a more informed NFL fan. 
Now, everyone knows that last year's class was excellent. And while I thought this year's draft proved that oh wait, well, I thought that this year's draft proved that 2018 was not a fluke. Like everyone else, I'm so excited that we got Locke at such a great value. But I'm also excited about finally getting a promising offensive lineman in Reisner and an exciting weapon in Fanta tight end. I cannot wait for these guys to take the field and uh, take the balance of power in the AFC West. Okay, on to my question, he says. I saw Von Miller's video of him calling Fant, Reisner, and Locke after they were drafted. At Flacco's first press conferences when he was introduced, he was asked if any of the players called him or if he spoke to anyone before arriving. His answer that he is, was that he had only spoken to Kareem Jackson and Jawan James, who were on the same plane with him. I don't want to read too much into this snippet, but I found that as odd because if I'm not mistaken, Case Keenum said he was getting calls from players congratulating him and welcoming him once the deal was announced. My question is, from what you've seen or heard so far, can you share any, any insight into Flacco's interactions with the other players? It may be too soon to tell, but I ask because I think once Locke has a chance to get settled in with the locker room, the other kids, as Flacco referred to him, I think that Locke, with his personality, talent, and closer age, will have a lock on the other players over Joe. Anyway, thanks, guys, and looking forward to the quarterback scoreboard throughout training camp. Yeah, I don't disagree with you in terms of Locke's personality just being way more infectious and being more buddy-buddy, and as people, especially the younger guys, liking Drew Locke more. Joe Flacco admitted he looks at a lot of these younger guys as kids. Drew Locke's going to be a buddy, a vibrant buddy that's going to steal the room. All eyes are going to be on him when he walks in. And you're right, and it's a really good thing that you notice that about Joe Flacco. I think Joe... To be fair to him, he was a little cautious of like breaking a, a code or doing something wrong about talking to players because the trade wasn't official for that month, and he kind of made that uh, behind the scenes. He kind of let us know that it, he wasn't sure how to handle that, so I wouldn't look too much into that. Um, but from what I've heard from players, Joe has been very professional, and he's you know been the the quarterback presence you want, um, and and that's what he's going to be. I don't think people are, are going to be gushing about, you know, being best, everyone on the team being best friends with Joe. Like we could find out Drew Locke quickly becomes. Couldn't agree more with everything you said. Um, it is a little funny that Joe wasn't in direct contact with anyone, but you're right. I think he was afraid of breaking rules, although he did sit down with Vic Fangio. <laughs> so who knows? Uh, what the dynamic is there. Vaughn always calls the draftees no matter what, so that's also something to keep in mind. Although, in the past, it had only been the first-round pick, which just goes more into the fact that it feels like the Broncos got three first-round picks this mm-hmm. year. Um, mm-hmm. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Like uh, like you said, when I've talked to people who have been around there, consummate professional is what I've gotten. Uh, also, leader. People have, have praised his leadership skills, feel like he really took charge of what's what's going on around there. So... We'll see. You know, it would be a good story for Joe Flacco to overcome, quote unquote, the adversity of the Broncos drafting a quarterback and go out there and dominate training camp and lead this team to the playoffs. That's a great story. I love that story. It's a great story. It it really is. Next one coming in from Kodiak No Fly Zone. He says, hey, fellas, can't express enough how thankful I am to have such good content to listen to while traveling and such a great community here at BSN. It's more than just a podcast. You guys have literally changed lives, and it's all thanks to you guys for starting the movement. That's, that is way too cool, Ryan. I agree, but 
I can't take too much credit because this podcast without you guys is just us talking into microphones <laughs> to each other. Exactly. He goes on and says, okay, I have a hype comment here. If I told you guys a year ago we would have Garrett Bowles, Ron Leary, Connor McGovern, Dalton Reisner, Juwan James battling in the trenches with Mike freaking Munchak as our offensive line coach, you would be happy, right? Yep. Oh, wait, it gets better. Picture this. Philip Lindsay is in the backfield when the ball snapped on a third and medium play action while Emmanuel Sanders is burning a slant route. Noah Fant drag route beating the safety as Cortland Sutton is wide open on the sideline as Drew Locke scans the field. If that's not enough, we have the best defensive coordinator arguably in the last 10 years as our head coach when we have Vaughn Miller, Bradley Chubb, and the Mile High Mafia at the helm of our defense. I haven't been this excited about our team since 2015, and that was because of the defense just laying on the field like fog. There wasn't an opening for offenses to score, and we choked them out. Sorry for the long post, guys, but I'm just pumped and can't wait for this year's team. I absolutely love the pod, and it's worth weight in gold. P.S. I'm okay with... I'm okay... I'm okay with all of the above. With all of the above, if Flacco is the QB, just excited for Drew. If you couldn't tell, <laughs> I love the excitement. I love it. And like we kind of broke down the first segment, it's an A off season. There's plenty of reasons to be excited. And it's funny to say, you know, it, it sounds crazy to say you're as excited about this, or you haven't been this excited about this te- a team since 2015. Well, there is a. It's very easy for this to be the best team since 2015. Yes. So. Well, that might seem like a little bit crazy on the surface. It shouldn't be. Nine and seven is the bar. That's a low bar. Eight and eight. If they if they hit eight and eight, no one's over the moon about it, but you're trending in the right direction. Yeah, Even I'm then. just saying in terms of seasons after 2015, nine and seven right. is the best they've done. Exactly. And you'd be trending up instead of trending down. Right. Yeah. I mean, eight and eight, eight and eight should be the baseline for people to be okay with what happened. Right. No one's going to be happy because there'll be two games they exactly. lost that they shouldn't have yep. or whatever. But if they go eight and eight, everyone says, okay, well, Vic Fangio came in. He improved the team by two. Um, he, you know, now he has another year to get his culture in place, et cetera, et cetera. Get guys out that he didn't like that didn't buy in, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. Anything above that you feel really good about. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. You can stop talking about back-to-back losing seasons at that point. All right, uh, Chilongo Bronco wanted to chime in quickly on um, some food stuff (laughs) because we already got to his question about uh, Joe Flacco on Saturday. But he says, food-wise, blood is a delicacy in many countries. I've eaten it the way they do it in Spain, which is kind of like a sausage mixed with rice. Now, I've heard of blood sausage. Is that what that is? Is that the – I assume there's blood involved in the process, but I I, I think there's still a lot of meat there. That sounds a little more appealing than a blood cube. <laughs> he says it's hard to, subscri- to describe the flavor, but it's kind of like a mixture of beans and beets. Not great, but not bad. It's called... I'm going to make you do it because that's what he said. Morcilla. I think it's Morcilla. Ah, I should have gone that route. He says, much love. <laughs> P.S. Do you know where, f- where Pecco is? Um, it's just like in the country? Or- <laughs> yeah. Maybe Hawaii would be my guess. Uh. Not in Denver. And he's not on a team right now. And is there an opportunity for him to come back, or have the Broncos done too much on the defensive line? I wouldn't have a problem with him coming back at the vet men. 
what right before training camp and yeah. during summer. Yeah, um, he's still out there, and he's probably going to be the guy that's signed after OTAs. As it should be. He doesn't need to put that type of stress on his body anyway. Yeah, and if I'm him, no reason to rush it. All right, let's take a break here, Zach, and when we come back, plenty of more questions to get to. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward and anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Segment here on a Monday edition of the BSN Broncos podcast. RK and Zach riding with you today, as always. Uh, let's keep rolling with these questions here, though. Uh, and this one comes in from Jack Double Magnum. It says, awesome pod, fellas. The Drew Lock momentum is getting out of control. I remember uh, when Paxson was drafted, and I was never really that excited about it, especially this kind of excited like I am with Locke. I just remember watching the clip of Paxson doing the Gruden QB camp, sitting down to watch film with John Gruden and saying, oh, I didn't even know he had film. Like, what the hell, man? How do you not know that? He just seemed like such an airhead that was never really invested into being a franchise quarterback. My question is, now that he's gone, can we talk about why the Paxton, expensi- Paxton Lynch experiment never worked? Like, were there rumors of him spending all of his free time playing Xbox and not knowing the playbooks? Was he just not a hard worker? I just want to know the inside scoop uh, of what you guys heard about him and why he struggled so much to beat out freaking Mark Sanchez and a seventh rounder and Trevor Simeon. Yep. Yep. I mean, every question you ask, the answer is is yes to. Uh, are the rumors of him spending all his free time playing Xbox and not knowing the playbook? Yeah, there was a lot of rumors. He was he was known for spending a lot of time playing uh, video games. Uh, was he not a hard worker? He wasn't a franchise quarterback worker. I can tell you that he was. He did the minimum, and you can't just not do the minimum. You have to do the maximum plus three hours a day if you want to be a franchise quarterback. Well, he did the minimum for like a regular player. Exactly, but. That doesn't apply to quarterbacks. Like, the minimum for quarterbacks is what you just said. And he couldn't even get close to what that is. And why did it fail, Ryan? Why did you, Real quick. Why did Chad Kelly start trending up last year? He latched on to Case Keenum and said, whatever Case Keenum does, I'm going to do. And, you know, make your jokes about Case Keenum being a good influence or not. But that's what it has to be. you got to show up before the sun. Every day. Every day. Yep. And that's what uh, you know people are saying about Joe Flacco right now. He's here first, leaves last. I know that's become a cliche, but when you live the cliche, it makes it not a cliche. Paxton Lynch, we would, I mean, we would talk about it. We'd be like, dude, how, at training camp, we'd be like, dude, how is Paxton Lynch not the first person out here? You're trying to win a quarterback competition, and Trevor Simeon's beating you on the field every day. It's so it's so easy. Some of these things are so easy. And he couldn't do it. 
No, he couldn't do it. And Ryan, I it's easy to say after the fact, but I can comfortably say if I would have been able to have just a 15-minute sit-down conversation with him at the NFL Combine at a pre-draft visit, I would have been able to tell this is not my guy. Um, it, it came across very soon. That's why after they drafted him, after the first press conference that I had with him, I knew he wasn't the guy, was never on his hype wan- hype train bandwagon. There we go. Uh, it, it was easy for me, at least. Yeah, it's especially after meeting uh, the last couple of years, Baker Mayfield and Drew Locke, which anyone who evaluates NFL talent has met a guy like that before. When, Tra- when Paxton Lynch came along and you had, you know, met, the Carson Wentz of the world or whatever, how do you not look at him and say, mm, doesn't have it? Right. Jack Double Magnum finishes by saying, anyway, true, true. <laughs> All aboard the lock train. Keep up the great work. There's that hype train that I was looking for. <laughs> I like that. That's the sound of the, the Drew Lock hype train. I love it. And it's coming full speed. It is chugging along. Next one from Bleed Orange Blue he says, how much cap room do the Broncos have? I know it'll be less once rookie contracts get in. Uh, right now they have about $11 million and you have to subtract about six and a half for the rookies. So you're looking at what? $5 million, four and a half, $5 million for the Broncos to work with. Not much. I don't believe in salary cap anymore. (laughs) It can all be just moved however you want it to be moved. It can be. And about this time last year is when the Broncos moved a lot of money for Von Miller. They freed up $8 million for who knows what. They just rolled that into this year. He finishes by asking, uh, when would the BSO, BSN Open be and what golf courses are possibilities? Well, the BSN Open would be whenever we did the draft, which would probably be oh, – they finish away in the preseason? I think it's home this year. So that would actually work. Uh, the last preseason game of the season maybe, the week of that. Why are you shaking your head? That would be cut. Cut day, and it would be uh, the showdown. Your CU showdown. All right, we'll figure it out. It would. It'll be ho- hopefully during the weekend of a home preseason game, and um, we'll make sure you know that we get a date soon. But August, yeah, exactly. Is when it would be, and pre-season. the golf course possibilities are pretty, pretty far and wide. Uh, we've partnered with Fossil Trace, which is God. That place is incredible. Uh, Common Ground which is a great course here in Denver. Um, Raccoon Creek, which I've heard great things about. I haven't played it in a long time. Hopefully going to get out there to be able to t- share with you guys how good it is uh, soon. Um, Highland Hills which just joined us. You probably heard their ad today for the first time on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So lots of different courses. We, we'll figure that out. But that would be a ton of fun uh, to get out there and just play with the whole squad. You can't go wrong with the course. You can't go wrong with the company. You can't go wrong with the sport. Speaking of can't go wrong, um, we had a lot of fun at the demo days the other day. Uh, we're going to have a video coming out that Allie took uh, of just kind of the experience. But especially if you're in Colorado, they're doing another demo day at Fossil Trace this Saturday. So if you see that or you heard us talking about it and thought, wow, those guys are smart. They know what they're talking about. Um, I want to head out there. You gotta, I gotta say, Zach, I was out there and I was hitting some of these clubs and they're just unbelievable, but 
I, I, I like I'm not in the I'm not in the market to spend a lot of money on golf clubs right now. And I hit these new tailor-made P790 irons and it was like a dream. <laughs> Did it make you thinking about breaking out the checkbook? I've already, you know, started budgeting, moving my finances <laughs> around, trying to figure out how I'm going to put aside enough money to get those irons. I've ne- I couldn't believe the way it felt when you hit it. It was just like it was shot out of a rocket right off the face <laughs> you sure it wasn't just you could have been <laughs> they do say it's it's the player not the club <laughs> anyways i'll stop thinking about golf or else i might just pause the podcast and leave. <laughs> uh, he says for mr t fellas no question today but two comments first i've been listening to all this blood talk and i'm like no way i'm out check please <laughs> but then i remembered in my younger days when i was around your age i was in the philippines and drank cobra blood wow what do you mean you're out on blood this is the craziest thing says the cobra was skinned right in front of me and the blood was drained into a cup and i drank some some of it no one and done as far as i'm concerned that's about the most extreme food you could have that you got to finish up there has to be some sort of like spiritual meaning behind this or else it just seems kind of cruel that I just can't even, I mean, I can picture it, but I can't imagine that would be real. That's the worst one I've heard so far. Maybe one of the grossest things I've ever heard anyone do, period. It's warm too, right? If it's been sitting in a body. Aren't snakes (laughs) cold-blooded? Maybe it's ice cold. (laughs) He says, also, I know I'm preaching to the choirs, uh, but I hate the narrative in some of the national media on John Elway and Drew Locke. They'll say... Well, Drew Locke could be good, but Elway sucks at drafting quarterbacks, so I'm going to give this pick a C-minus grade. <laughs> El- has Elway struggled at drafting quarterbacks? Sure. But are you telling me if Oakland picked him at 40 or Detroit at 43, then he'd suddenly be a better pick because John Elway wasn't the one who made it? Shake my head. Yeah, that is that is absolutely absurd. How, absurd. How can you judge a player based on the person who picked him? Only if you just ha- you don't believe in your own evaluation in any way, shape, or form. Right. Right? You're just saying, well, they usually have bad evaluation, so I just assume this is a bad evaluation. If you evaluated the player, then you just base it off your own evaluation. Exactly. Next one coming in from Captain Hook. He says, just to add to the Justin Hollins at inside linebacker idea, he has similar specs to Tremaine Edmonds, and with inferior tutelage, Edmonds put up almost identical stats to Roquan Smith. Maybe Vic Fangio had some buyer's remorse, and Hollins is his way to remedy that. Maybe. I'm going to believe this when I see it. I, I, I got to even just see him take a snap at inside linebacker before I even believe it. I was thinking about this last night and uh, kind of joked in my head of at the end of rookie minicamp, uh, Vic just saying, yeah, we're going to keep Justin on the outside. Or the other way around. Yeah. We saw that he has the instincts to play inside linebacker. We can't wait to see how he develops there. And I just wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised after just, you know, three days of trying him at inside linebacker. It's like, oh, yep, yep, we're gonna we're gonna keep him at outside. Uh when I played um cornerback in high school and uh, we had some injuries, so they went, they put me at safety for one play, like we thought about this for a while. We think he got the instincts to be back there. I was out there for one play. Nothing bad happened. The ball didn't go over. I think it was just a normal run play. Didn't even get to my level. They're like, no, we're just going to keep you outside. We think you're good at cornerback. It was just that obvious to them. Wow. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that obvious to to Vic that, you know, Justin's just an outside guy. How are you in run support? Oh, no. No. <laughs> I would uh, 
I'd put my body on the line, but uh, you would always need help over. I, I'd, I'd hold their legs until someone came right, and swiped right. them. Right, grab and pray. <laughs> yep. That's funny. All right, uh, for Mike Apexa, I used the NFL Game Pass for several years when I, when I lived overseas in Japan, Thailand, and Saudi Arabia. Talk about a well-traveled man. It's an awesome subscription. It costs me $200 a year for the maximum package, although there are some cheaper options available. You can watch the games live or they're archived to watch later anytime you're sleeping, if you're sleeping or at work when they come on live. The package also includes NFL Network and Red Zone, worth every penny. I'm not finishing that. (laughs) (laughs) Last one here is from the OG MVP. He says, first thing to answer your question, I never experienced a different PBR. It was usually a Sing... uh, Oh, wow. I thought it was Sing Tao, but he says it's pronounced Ching Dao. Huh. And Tiger. I've definitely heard of Tiger. My students thought Budweiser was what Americans wanted, but it's trash. Uh, <laughs> the McDonald's were similar with some uni- unique items, such as a burger with a hot dog on it and congee for breakfast. Papa John's was like an upscale pizza restaurant, and KFC was probably the most popular of the American chains. Yes. In, in Prague, KFC was it. That that was the the most popular fast food restaurant. That's what everyone associates with like American food is KFC. I mean, fried chicken is probably one of the most American foods. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, we can't really claim too many foods, but I think we can claim that one. And uh, probably not. Someone's gonna come tell me why we can't. But. <laughs> I've never been. I don't think I've ever been to a KFC in America. In uh, they, they're better. They're they're like they're good. Uh, abroad but you can't say you don't know that because you've never had it it's true i can't say it's better but i can say it's like it it has a different vibe they used to have this thing there called the triple zinger sandwich oh my gosh and it was like (laughs) fried chicken with this spicy sauce fantastic i wonder if they still have the triple zinger i couldn't even tell you the last time i ate fast food but were the buns pieces of fried chicken no it wasn't the (laughs) double stack or whatever it was called which was a hilarious invention. (laughs) So American. He goes on, as for Bronco talk, is there any history of linebacker development from Fangio's from Fangio from players that were not naturally a middle linebacker, such as our guy from Oregon? Thanks as always. Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, I I can't, I don't know. And man, Justin Hollins has all the, all the traits. He is an athletic freak, Ryan. You, you found some stat that just shows how athletic Justin Hollins is. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it's basically how they tested and what their measurables are compared to their peers at their position, and it's a, it's out of 10. He had a 9.88 athleticism. Ooh, so that's not a question. It's can it's a very different position going from rushing the passer, being an edge guy, to the middle of the field. You've got to do it all. You've got to see things. You've got to make checks. You're the one with... Uh, the communication in your helmet. Now, obviously, he wouldn't be that his rookie season if he successfully transitioned to inside, but the responsibilities are crazy. And 6'5 is huge. That's very tall for that position. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to see. Yep. Again, I'm full wait-and-see mode. i yep. got to see something before I believe this is going to happen, but Tremaine Edmonds is the uh, the example there. It can happen with a huge linebacker. Exactly. And, Ryan, since we had a bonus pod... The listeners get some bonus questions thrown to us. First one coming in from Swedish Bronco. He says, 
are you a real psychic, Ryan? I've started going back to the pod episodes from 2017, Vance Joseph's first preseason with the quarterback battle between Paxton and Trevor, among other things. While doing that, I noticed you did something as beautiful as Saturday episodes back during the training camp. I instantly decided to ask about that until the Monday episode, but what happens? You use your powers, a psychic brain search, all the way to southern Sweden and approve my request even before I request it. I'm in awe. That's hilarious. <laughs> um, we were just doing that for our good friends at Fossil Trace. Not, I wasn't a psychic, although I do have psychic powers at some points. I'm more of like, uh, that's so Raven than a psychic. Mm. Like that, that, Raven wasn't a psychic. She just had very powerful premonitions, mm. which is what I have. <laughs> um, and Saturday pods are just unique to training camp. Yeah. We always do Saturday pods in training camp. Yep. Whenever whenever the Broncos are there in training camp, we're there. Exactly. He goes on to say, still great episodes two years ago, really enjoying them. Boy, that'd be interesting to just like catch up on BSM Broncos podcast and start all the way back then. I'd be scared to hear <laughs> what we said. But what happens to Brent but what happened to BK? I'm not done with the whole preseason yet, but it was RK and BK, then all three of you, and then ZS and RK without commenting on where BK went. I'm pretty sure we commented on it. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm 100% sure we commented on it. I remember sitting in the office with you for our first one that was just us two and saying, hey, BK took an uh, opportunity at Orange and Blue 760. We wish him the best. It's going to be us two from here on out. Um, and I think it worked out pretty well. I hope so. Uh, Worked out pretty well for BK as well. Mm-hmm. BK has a, a newborn child. Mm. Um, he's, he has a brand new house. So he's doing just fine over there, and we're, we're happy for him in that. It does sound like Swedish Bronco is going to listen to every episode. That is, that's something else. You must I, love the sound of our voice. How could you not? <laughs> it's funny. I ran into someone, and they, they might be listening to this podcast right now, but I ran into someone <laughs> at one of the BSN watch parties this weekend, which if you haven't come to one yet, Goodness gracious, are you missing out? Uh, we had one for the Nuggets on Friday, one for the Avs on Saturday. Both of them went off. Uh, both of them were sad, sad endings. I could not believe we lost the four-overtime game. Um, but I, I introduced myself to someone, and they were like, wow. And they're kind of like, you know, like flexing a little bit. They're like, you're like, you're like bigger than I thought you would be on the podcast. I was like, I was like thanks, man. He's like, yeah. Yeah. No, you, I thought you were a little smaller based on the way you sound on the podcast. I'm like, I don't know if this is a compliment or not. You've got a, you've got a small sounding voice, Ryan. Don't think that's a good it's thing. It's not dooming like mine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got a really intimidating voice over there. <laughs> he says, to the question, can we expect an intense quarterback battle board as that season? I knew the winner, and it was so exciting. You sounded so hopeful about Paxton, especially after going Two and zero in the first two days. The two days Trevor was supposed to shine. Then Trevor turned it around, going fifteen for fifteen after switching to a ten points per day battle. Then running away with it after the no fly zone killed him, especially Paxton for two days. So Swedish Bronco is of course listening, going back to our exact scores. And I do remember that Paxton's first two days, he was the best quarterback on the field, and that was probably the last time we said that, except for one day in San Francisco. Yeah, well, no, it was. I think it was both days in San Francisco leading up to when he was going to be the starter. Yep. And it, I thought, oh my God, he could flip the whole thing on his head here. Uh, but as it turned out, he wasn't very good. Um, <laughs> and he did have two really good days at the start of training camp in shorts. 
once the pads came on, he started floundering. He started running in seven on seven. He started throwing it away on fourth down. Um, so I, I remember it very well. I, I don't, we're going to cover it the same as we always do. We'll give you, you know, every throw from every day. But I don't think you're going to get the uh, the intense scoring just because I don't think you're going to get the fairness from the Broncos as it was supposed to be in that as it was in that training camp. They they that was a true battle because if it wasn't Paxton Lynch would have won. Yep, exactly. 350 Legend says, I have to say, I'm so on the hype train. With that said, do I think Locke is ready now? No. But who's to say he can't come in and light it up or flip side to that coin, just be a flop? However, I'm really optimistic about Locke and like Elway, feel we solved the quarterback issue with Drew. Says my question for Ryan, can you see a turnaround playoffs with this team this year? So you make sure you don't answer this. This is only for me. It's only for you. Um, yeah, I could see that. Of course I could see that. I could see it with uh, with Joe Flacco as a quarterback. I could see it with Drew Locke as a quarterback. Um, I would say it would be more likely if Flacco's a quarterback because he's expected to be the week one guy. They get off to a great start. Maybe they start, you know, 6-0. and oh. You never know. Um, but the most likely scenario for the Broncos to make the playoffs is Joe Flacco comes in. He is a solid veteran. He plays ball control offense. They run the heck out of the ball, and the defense plays lights out. And that's the formula with Joe Flacco. And that's what they've been planning on all this time. The other one is that Drew Locke, the other path to the playoffs is that Drew Locke comes in from day one and blows everyone away. And they have no choice but to play him, and he has like a Russell Wilson-esque rookie year where he leads the team to the playoffs. And then uh, you cut Joe and use $18 million in savings to go sign some more guys on defense and build it just like Russell Wilson. Mm, Sounds beautiful. Next one here is from Bleeding Orange since 1983. Hey, boys, if the Drew Locke hype train is moving too fast, it's because it's powered by BSN. Here's what I keep coming back to. What are the chances Drew Locke is going to be as good as Patrick Mahomes? Pretty slim, I would say, since Patrick's a freakish phenom, a once-in-a-lifetime player for a franchise. So if the great Patrick Mahomes can ride the pine behind the boring-as-heck Alex Smith, then Drew Locke can certainly ride the pine behind Joe Flacco. Yeah, makes sense. It's just you got to remember, Alex Smith played fantastically. He was an MVP candidate that year. Also, let's not forget that Patrick Mahomes wasn't a number one overall pick. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's not a generational talent at least he wasn't considered to be now he had a generational like season last year and burst on the scene like we've never seen but this is just a case of a really good player in a really good system for him 10th overall pick great player in a really good system for him 10th overall pick for a quarterback ryan that's that's not that that's you're taking a flyer on a guy at, at that point the Broncos third quarterback taken in the draft right yeah if the Broncos would have picked Drew Locke at 10 I would have been happy with that so I he was not viewed as this once in a lifetime player not at all he goes on and says let's all chill and be patient look what one year did for Patrick Mahomes he said PM but there's only one PM <laughs> uh, I can guarantee you that if Patrick Mahomes played his rookie year he would not have been league MVP and he probably would have developed so many bad habits that he would not have earned that second year, uh, that title in his second year either. That's presumptuous. <laughs> Sitting lock for a year is the short-term pain for long-term gain. He needs some work. We all know how lucky we are to get him, so let's not ruin him by playing him too early. 
Love is arm. Love is leadership. Love is potential. But we have all seen the numerous train wrecks of rookie quarterbacks that come into the league too early. Let's not have Locke be another one of those statistics. All aboard. Let's have let's have Drew catch the next train. Ryan, what? Uh, who's the starter in Week One? Joe Flacco. Who's the starter before the the week before the bye week? Joe Flacco. And that's exactly how I feel right now. I don't think Drew Locke is going to be the quarterback week one. I don't think he's going to be the quarterback eight games through the season. How how much is Drew Locke going to be ruined if he comes in when I think he will right now in week 13? I mean, what is that, four weeks earlier than Patrick Mahomes did? Is Would that have derailed Patrick Mahomes' career? I have a very strong take on this, Zach, and... I'm sure there will be some people who disagree with me, probably even some psychologists that would disagree with me. I believe that if you can be ruined, you are in it in the first place. Mm. Um, I think all these guys who get quote-unquote ruined are just weren't ever going to be good. Right. Um, if, you're, if you're mentally weak enough to have your psyche destroyed by some struggles as a rookie, you, don't, you never had it. You never had it in the first place. So... I believe that Drew Locke has it. Now, that doesn't mean he needs to start week one, and the Broncos have a great insurance policy in Joe Flacco that won't force him to start start in week one. But coming in in week 11, coming in in week eight, coming in in week 13 should not change a player's career arc if they have it. I completely agree. He He's, he's got it or he doesn't end. Well, we can't forget, I know you already said it in this pod, and I've said it last week, and you've said it as well. Alex Smith held off Patrick Mahomes. It was so easy for Andy Reid to say, no, we can't go to the kid. Alex Smith is having the best year of his career, an MVP-type season. Joe Flacco, just looking at recent history, would say he's not going to do that. The Broncos' schedule, I don't care if you want to say it's the second-hardest strength of schedule by looking at last year's numbers, or if you just want to look at it and look what they're up against, it's hard. It's brutal. And so just being realistic, I think it's very realistic that we see Drew Locke this year. Am am I pounding the table that he's the guy week one and – Uh, He doesn't need to sit at all? Absolutely not. He wouldn't have fallen to 42 if there weren't things he needed to improve on. Well said. From Ryan Clayman, hey, BSN family. I grew up in California, less than two hours away from San Diego. I was surrounded by Chargers and Raiders fans. They used the donkey term for the Broncos as an insult to the team. Mm. Just like instead of Raiders, we would call them the faders. <laughs> so every time I heard the term donkeys used for the Broncos, I get angry. Mm. With that being said, I saw the NFL net. Oh, that, that was just a completely different point. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Some people take it as an insult. Some people use it as a term of endearment. What's more intimidating, a bucking Bronco with, you know, he's up on his back legs or, or a little donkey? Yeah. <laughs> again, it's just a term of endearment. And like some other words out there, can only be said by those who are within the, <laughs> who are within the community. Right. Like, you guys can call them the donkeys. People outside of it aren't allowed to say that. Right. Yeah, and so I completely agree with the <laughs> RC. All right, he says, with that being said, I saw the NFL Network was trying to predict when the four main rookie quarterbacks would start. Murray, week one of 2019, for sure. Yep. Jones, whenever Eli <laughs> retires. Oh, my gosh. I feel like it's got to happen before that. <sighs> this would just be this would be so bad. Unless he's just going to retire at the end of this year, I could see that. Right. 
I mean, that that's what the plan has to be for Eli, right? I guess we'll see. I I don't know. Haskins week four. There's no. They're gonna start Case Keenum. That's such a bad, stupid plan. But that would be a Redskin move. It would. Just. I go week one. Commit. Week one. I Wait, mean, you've already committed. Did. Am I crazy, or did um, the Houston Texans start Tom Savage over Deshaun Watson? They did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> what idiots. How long did that take? Didn't he get benched in the first half of the first game or something? It was Deshaun Watson came in for a Thursday night game. I think it was like week three or four or something. Wait, I think we might be getting confused here. We thinking he, of something else? I think we're thinking of when it was Tom Savage and Brock Osweiler. Yep, that's what it was. And I think they st- no way. I think they started Savage over Os- Osweiler, and then benched him. And I can't remember. I can't. Maybe it was Keenum. I, I don't think, know. I don't think Deshaun Watson started the. He first didn't game, start though. Week One. He started the Thursday night game, and we both took him yep. in our pick of the As week. In a way underdog because we said he's just a gamer. Yeah, he's going to win the game, and he won. <laughs> um, but you're right. He didn't start Week One. I don't remember. I don't think it was Tom Savage. It might have been. Maybe it was. But I remember they benched someone in week one. Who, who went I'm up not, against? I remember what you're talking about. Who's the tall quarterback who everyone hates from oh. Arkansas? Oh, yep. I know who you mean. I know who you're talking about. The one that missed the plane. Yeah, yeah. I think it was him and Brian Hoyer who were in a quarterback yep, competition. That sounds about right. And they started uh, Hoyer. Yep. And then flipped to the other guy. Yep. And then, like, O'Brien apologized. Oh, they need they needed a quarterback so bad. That was a hard knock season, I believe. Yep. That's why it's so prevalent in my mind. <laughs> Ryan, you thought that was crazy? Read, read what they said for Drew Locke. Drew Locke. Week one of 2021. Of 2021? What? What? <laughs> That's the meteor. It hit. So there is no football anymore. No, no. Week, week one of 2021 never came because a meteor destroyed the earth. So thanks for that, NFL Network. Yep. We're it's all, your fault. We're all inflamed. Come on. How in gut... If, if he's not the starter by then, then he ain't it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, then, then we're talking Trevor Lawrence. Or Joe Flacco put up back-to-back MVP caliber campaigns. <laughs> yep. Yep, which would be great news for the Broncos. Or a meteor hit there. <laughs> uh, he says if Locke's going to be the supervillain, he needs a supervillain nickname. How about the Lockmaster? <laughs> I know, cheesy, right? Thank you for all the draft coverage. I still haven't read every article you guys put out over the draft week and last week. Keep up the awesome work. It was kind of right in front of him here. I'm not saying this is the one, but it came from me from him saying the Lockmaster. The Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. You better lock it up. Good one. Uh, from Willie Thomas. I think we've been too quick to... Oh, that he posted that one on a different... We already uh, commented on that. So from Bucking Broncos. Well, I may have my orange-tinted glasses on right now. Your Saturday pod has me hyped. <laughs> Imagining having a healthy Sanders, Sutton, Hamilton, Fant, and Lindsey on the field at the same time with Locke, a pretty defensive... And a pretty defensive... Uh, a pretty defense oh my god <laughs> decent a pretty decent <laughs> offensive line like i was literally looking at it and saying the word and it was coming out different goodness gracious monday pretty decent offensive line 
is exciting. <laughs> We've watched a dumpster fire on the offensive side of the ball for years. This youth movement is the breath of fresh air we need. Not to mention the defense <laughs> now he's got me messed You're up worried. this one's not my fault the defense might enjoy not having to be on the field as much he said defensive <laughs> sometimes I, I know it's especially me sometimes i sound just like I, I can't read but sometimes it's because things aren't always typed properly i know we need like a an editor who goes in and edits the comments for us before we have to read them yeah and and bucking bronco is zachary that's Great comment, as always, coming from a fellow Zach. But it reminded me of something that, that I meant to say earlier. Who who would have thought that the trick for the Broncos hitting on drafts would have been just getting good guys? Seems easy <laughs> enough to me. I mean, can you could you imagine if really John Elway were to ever admit that? Like, we started having good drafts when we just liked the people we were bringing in. Uh, they were leaders. They did well in school. And people around them enjoyed them, and they didn't have any off-the-field issues. I mean, it, it's not even really football. Obviously, they all check out on football. They're all good football players. But if that was the changing point? It's kind of what it feels like. It does. It's like the only question they needed answered was, did his friend, did his teammates go to his <laughs> birthday party? <laughs> and for a second during the draft, you thought Drew Locke's friends maybe didn't go to his birthday party. Yeah, but I knew, that obviously. <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> Because Drew Locke's teammates probably threw him a surprise birthday party. Mm, after he already had his real birthday party the night before. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, especially because I can't talk anymore. <laughs> I think this is a good place to wrap up today's BSN Broncos podcast. We appreciate you guys a lot for tuning in, and we will be right back with you tomorrow on the show. And before I completely let you go... I want to tell you about our friends over at Live Well. Live Well Enlightened Health is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality cannabis products. Members of Live Well's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-weigh half ounces and $60 pre-weigh ounces every single day. Live Well has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to the Fort Collins area with six locations in Denver. Visit livewell.com BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's Live Well, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L.com. Slash BSN. Thanks again for tuning in and go abs. It's getting me down.